and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Arbo's most bibliophilic work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Urban Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Possession 15.7 to uh, the penultimate Possession chapter. Um, and yeah, it starts out with Peter just confirming for us that yes, Faisal, <laughs> who is an angel, is siding with the demons here. Oh, yeah, it's a great opening to sort of, you know, put us straight back in that mindset of, oh, yeah, that's right, we're pretty fucked because Faisal's joining the demons. Um, <laughs> it totally makes sense that Peter's the one doing this. Yeah. Um, like, I think it's a really great way to to sort of launch us straight back into how fucked everything is. Yep. Um, and I really like uh, sort of the way Faisal talks around so much of what was established in 14.x, like his interlude. Mm. Um in fact and it's something we didn't quite touch on so explicitly but like angels like Faisal they don't see themselves as explicitly the opposite of the demons right now like Faisal we talked about how he shifted to seeing humans as kind of their count more more of their counterpart right yeah and um you know so it's kind of like while Faisal's still sort of long-term anti-demon he he he's not as directly opposed to demons anymore like humans are kind of this middleman in the war as far as he's concerned mm. so it totally makes sense that you know he's willing to he- help the demons to you know pack them up quicker and you know take care of a few hum- humans on the side what a bonus <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a win-win huh um yeah i, I still wonder like because obviously we know he's seventh choir yeah uh, i'm pretty sure um you know, like I wonder how First Choir or, or or any of the others feel about this sort of stuff. Like I, I think we talked about that, but you know, like I could see First Choir angels being quite uh, straightforward and basic when it comes mm. to this stuff. Like like how Ur was so yeah, kind of simple in 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 their power in in Arc Seven. You know, like yeah. I could see First Angel, uh, so First Choir angels being sort of the same type of idea. Yeah. Um, unfortunately we're left with this tricky guy to deal with. Um, <laughs> and it, the, the start of this chapter kind of, you see a bit of, I don't know, of, of, I guess the desperation that's going through Rose's head. Like she was already basically scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of needing to summon Faisal. That was her last ditch thing. And that's so obviously a failure that she is now in full on desperation mode. <laughs> Yep, but uh, luckily uh, we know someone who's pretty good at coping in that mode, and he's well, willing yeah. to uh, give her give her a hand in that regard. <laughs> yes, and it even even without um, Blake giving her a hand, it does seem that they're just very good at you know their best plans are the plans that they come up with after everything else is beyond fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. It seems to just be a bit of a, a staple of these two, doesn't it? Uh, just- yeah. Clawing their way out of the abyss. Yes, exactly right. Um, metaphorically and literally. <laughs> so yeah, Blake uh, kind of sees Rose is starting to think of something, but doesn't really know exactly what it is. And so he starts digging through her memories to try and figure out what she's up to, so that he can help out. I I love this sort of way of communicating that they start to establish, where you know Blake shoves ideas literally onto Rosa's side of the fracture to make her think of things and you know whereas she just sort of has to try and think along lines and <laughs> and, and hope like like it's this it's this really symbolic abstract way of communicating yeah. that's very fun like you can tell normal spirits would probably hate it like it's you know we already talked about how they hate emoji this is so much worse than that um, yes 
it reminds me of um alistair's cards in a way like i or you know the alethiometer yeah which totally. I think we talked about back then as well like this this whole idea of very abstract interpretive communication it's, yes. it's really fun yes um yeah and of course that could lead to miscommunications but when you're communicating with what is effectively yourself you know that you're probably going to send the right message which is good yeah i mean it's interesting with these two because it's yourself but it's also very much not yourself like yes can, it's totally you you'd have to get it just right like i think that's a really fun line uh to walk I, i'm kind of bummed because even if Blake is is going to be in Rose's soul for the the rest of the story, it, like this is so cool, and I feel like they're just going to be under the pump. Like this would have just been a really interesting like chapter or so of in a calm setting, just them learning to communicate in this <laughs> yeah. method. Um, like, <laughs> but when I, has I, there I, ever been a calm setting impact? Well, yeah, that's fair. Um, I think there was that one time in Mara's forest before it all went to shit. Um, mm. But yeah, no, you're right. It's just, it's like, you know, I could see this mechanic. And I think I talked about this when he first sort of ended up possessing her. It, this alone just feels like something you could explore for a couple of chapters. And I'd, yes. and I'd love it. And um, like, yeah, this possession's so cool. I'm just kind of bummed it's coming to the story when it has because I want more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so part of the memories that uh, Blake is digging through are Rose's kind of interpretations of the things that have been left for them by Granny Rose. Um, and I swear ever since, you know, the very first chapter, you're set up to absolutely hate Granny Rose, I think with, you know, good cause, but every time we learn more about her, she's endeared to me more and more. Um, so for example, here, uh, our Rose, young Rose, I guess (laughs) the, (laughs) the, the entity formerly known as Miros is, uh, reading through Granny Rose's diaries and noticing that. Uh, Granny Rose will kind of think her way up to rebellious thoughts, but then there'll be this kind of absence where, you know, there'll be a tangent off in another direction or the diary entry will stop. And it's so clear that she doesn't feel safe writing these, uh, what she would have as rebellious thoughts in her diary, which is such an interesting beat of characterization of Granny Rose being very similar to Blake and Rose in fighting against the system in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I love how immediately it jumps out to to um you know a young Rose Junior yeah as like something that needs to be read between the lines like yeah. it's so clearly been set up as something that she's like oh okay I see what's going on here yeah um this actually like anyone who follows my live reads will know like I got very excited at this point because I was like ooh um are we gonna have like a rose senior pages interlude next where we have to like read between the lines mm. um unfortunately it kind of seems like the, those bits have already been resolved and and you know like i'm sure i'll enjoy whatever's coming next but i got very excited for that idea like that would have been a really interesting idea for a chapter right yeah definitely and and it would have worked because you know it's like we started with a rose diary entry and we can finish with one. yeah nice and circular um but yeah it's just i wish we could get more Rose Senior because she's such an interesting character. <laughs> and it feels like there's still so much about, you know, the way she decided to go about all this that we don't understand. Yeah, like, we definitely know more than enough to understand Blake and Rose's journey, but it's one of those things where, you know, more prequel fleshing out would, wouldn't, yes. like, wouldn't, wouldn't be received badly. Yes, definitely. Um, before we move on, I want to talk on... There's this one really funny line where Rose says, I did call you for a reason to Faisal. And Faisal says, of course, 
And it's so <laughs> obvious that Rose is just saying this to buy time. <laughs> like she has no idea what the fuck she's gonna do next. Um <laughs> the reason that she called Faisal at this point seems to have been because she fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well I mean that's like, like it's such a nonsense statement. I, I like I did call you for a reason. That reason could be like anything you know like, yes. like it, it, it's 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 a bit of a non-statement it means absolutely nothing and yes. Faisal just kind of is like okay like well yeah get to let, it let's hear it <laughs> kind, of, yeah. kind of just calls her out on it it's yeah. great um but luckily Rose does eventually realize what her own plan is and in a pretty baller move uh, out of the blue she declares herself and Alastair as the lord and lady of Jacob's Bell and um this is an insane plan right <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, obviously, it kind of works out, but I, I really do love it as this idea of, you know, all this all this has been for so long over the lordship, and then in, you know, at the end of Arc 14, everyone kind of decided they didn't really want it anymore anyway. Yep. Um, they were basically going to give it to Johannes just because he had the only bit left that was worth having. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who wants to be lord of a trash heap, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's so funny that it's sort of now come back as this kind of insane play that it's just like oh i'm gonna be the lord and it's like you know and and everyone else is like okay you have it i mean that's not even helpful right now yeah. like it, it's it's just such a fun play on something that so many people were striving for for so long in this book yes um yeah it's a fun way to bring it back and uh, the thing about this is from basically this point onwards the rest of the chapter is just really confusing right like it's really hard to follow what this plan that rose seems to have thought of is um because blake isn't following it until the very end um and it, it's an interesting dynamic where we're kind of used to everyone else having to play along to blake's uh shenanigans i guess <laughs> and we get to see rose pulling some shenanigans of her own here and i i love the the way it unfolds yeah, you're right, because it's it's basically just after this point, I think, that, that you know, Blake sort of injects her with his instinct powers. Yes. And it's like, exactly, we kind of get to see one step removed how insane these Blake plans are, because 100%, for most of this chapter, my first time reading through it, I had absolutely no idea where the fuck things were going. Like, <laughs> yeah. Rose would say someone, and a few people would be like, oh, I see, and Blake was offering nothing. I was like, I don't see at all. Um, and wait, I, this, this was one of those chapters where I'm very glad that we're doing this, this podcast because I get to read it twice. And like the second time I think I understood it like a lot better, like in retrospect, you know, the whole idea of calling everyone from Toronto at first is just because it puts Faisal on the hook because he can't be seen to be working with the lawyers. Um, cause obviously, you know, that's very bad PR. Um, and, and, you know, that is a callback straight to when, uh, very early on in the chapter, Rose thinks that the weakness of the Diabolists is that they they have no allies. And that didn't really click for me because of the way Rose goes about it and yes. Blake isn't following. And it wasn't until the second time that I was like, oh, I, I, okay, I see why this is a good plan. Yeah, because um, being associated with demons leads to radiation, <laughs> PR radiation. Yeah, exactly. So Faisal, and I mean, you know, Faisal just decides that he reckons him and Miss Lewis can just kill them before anyone shows up, so it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, which is great. 
um so yeah uh mrs lewis and Faisal kind of work together i guess to figure out that this plan has more to it and it's connected to toronto which is wild (laughs) i mean yeah like it it is what it was one of those things where it was kind of validating for me how bonkers a plan this is because even mrs lewis and Faisal like what so wait you okay like, like <laughs> even they're sort of struggling to piece it together and i was like okay cool it's not just me it's, yeah um like this is this is so insane even the angel and the the super demon lawyer can't figure it out immediately yeah um and the other fun thing about this plan is it immediately diffuses the situation where blake and conquest are fighting because conquest <laughs> just seems to be completely satisfied that he's basically one step away from becoming lord of a region again yeah, well, I guess he's partially lord of the region, right? Because he's he's yeah. taken over a decent chunk of Roth. Um, and it's funny how, yeah, I guess getting what he wants allows him to have more power, which I guess allows him to just chill the fuck out a bit. Um, I, I, I mean, it's funny, like, listening to the conversation he has with Blake here, I'd forgotten how just kind of purely... A, a single concept he is and like how unashamed <laughs> he is like yeah like conquest is kind of open about his his all his faults like there's the bit where he starts to quote Macbeth and Blake's like isn't that hypocritical and conquest like yeah but you know like that's me and it's just I've forgotten <laughs> how how just single-minded and, and unapologetic conquest is at being conquest yeah I've missed conquest as a character he's so yeah, he he's just purely him, you know? He's so not able to be ascribed human motivations to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it's interesting how in, in a story that mostly has incredibly sort of complex and, you know, character or bad guys with like really complex motivations, some of the standouts are really just the ones where it's just, he's conquest, he does all the conquest things, <laughs> yeah. like simultaneously super easy to predict but still kind of surprising and and really fun the way it works out it's kind of the same with the barber like it's um it's it's really like impressive how wabo can take what is a a bad guy that can be boiled down to like a one sentence summary or a one word summary of what they are (laughs) and still make it incredibly interesting yes i agree um so yeah as you mentioned Faisal basically thinks, well, the only thing we can do now is try and kill Rose before Toronto gets here. Um, <laughs> and so the attack begins again, uh, and this time it's it seems to be the gloves are mostly off, right? Um, yeah, and so you can tell even these moats are pretty horrifying. We get this yeah. line where the attack begins and uh, we we read, people in the group were screaming. Rose realised she was among them. <laughs> this is such a perfect pair of lines because it really sums up like the complete terror but also the the weird mindfuckery and abstraction that exists with these demons like they're so horrifying that you can't help but scream but also you're so out of it you can't even realize that you're the one that is screaming yeah well i mean that's sort of the other side of it is when you when you start to pile multiple little moats like this on top of each other i kind of lost the ability to track at all what was happening because they you know, they upset the natural order on such fundamental levels that it's, <laughs> yeah. hard, it's hard to imagine what a single mode is doing. Whereas, like, when four or five of them's effects were just sort of listed off, I was just kind of like, I, I think my imagination just kind of broke. And I was like, okay, it's just all real fucked. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's real bad. Like, you know, it, everything is being torn. Like, you know, they have laughs that sort of scrape the inside of your ears and stuff. Like, you're right. They hit you so hard and they affect the things 
so wrongly that you don't even notice what you're doing in response. Yeah, um, and it, it really plays into the general confusion of this scene, right? Like, it just mm. is messy in a great way. Absolutely. Um, so Blake's response to this is, uh, well, it's more of an implication. It, the, the text implies here that Blake basically starts feeding more and more of his personality to Rose to help her kind of last. Um, there's, there's a line where it, it's not confirmed that he gives this to her, but he thinks about what he could give her and then thinks instinct, gut, that which had allowed me to survive while homeless, to get away from Carl, to fight. And so, you know, we've talked about the key things that define Blake's character and these memories that are being referenced here, his homelessness, his scrappiness, his, his, uh, encounters with Carl, his desire to fight, like... These are the quintessential Blake bits. And he doesn't give those memories away, but he gives away the kind of uh, the, the elements of himself that let him get through these situations. So we're basically not even one step removed, half a step removed from Blake giving up the most core parts of his personality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talked about it being an implication. I, I definitely took that as well. Like, I kind of assumed that, the you know, this text was telling us that he is giving this yeah. stuff up. Um, it's like, you know, we got him back from the abyss for two chapters, Yay! Um, but he's already, he's already pumping it away again. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it, we, we sort of talked about it last chapter. It really hurts to see Blake giving such important bits of himself away. Um, yep. especially you're right with this one, it's almost a blink and you'll miss a thing. He just quickly thinks about it and there's not much attention drawn to the fact that he's doing it, but I, I get the impression he is. Yes. So, Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what we have left. Like when he gives this stuff away, really the only thing he hasn't given away at this point is his relationship with Green Eyes and Evan. And it feels like that's the final step, you know? Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, so, uh, you know, B Blake uh, gives this stuff to, uh, to uh, Rose and uh, with with her, you know, her new instinct and her gut and the combined effort of all the gathered practitioners, as well as the fact that they're now a lord and lady, um, they're able to hold off the moats for a little bit, uh, which buys enough time for Rose to talk to Faisal again, and she manages to convince him. She manages to convince him of how bad this situation could be for him and turn him back on side. Yep. Um, so before we go any further with any of this, I just want to give a special shout out to Ty and Tiff, who fucking... Like they're really the ones who save the day. They're the first ones who buy everyone some time with their fucking, um, like sympathetic magic diagram yep. shenanigans. It's it's a really great moment because, uh, yeah, I think Rose does something, and then Ty and Tiff just come out of nowhere as like they've been doing shit this whole time. Yeah, which is so impressive given the circumstances. Yeah, who knew? Friends, they're good, not just tools, <laughs> Rose. <laughs> um, yes, uh, and of course we get these great bits by Rose where she kind of puts it together that the fact that Faisal is still a dog and still kind of hanging around means uh, he is not separate from Johannes. Johannes is still conceptually existing, um, which can only mean that the barber still in Johannes has enough of a tie to uh, Faisal, which implies a lot of bad things. It implies a familiar, <laughs> a domain, and an implement. Um, and altogether, that is uh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that Faisal's plan could have been a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I bet mean, I actually, I, I didn't quite see this coming, but I'm, well, you know, he, he's an idiot for not, for not <laughs> seeing it coming, I reckon. Yeah, he didn't um, put it together, did he? 
Yeah, but you're right. This is obviously many, many layers of bad for Faisal. Um, I'm not quite sure how he gets out of it, but uh, I, I really like the bit, uh, you know, as Rose is sort of trying to convince Faisal, Miss Lewis jumps in for a sec, and there's this implied, like, extensive history between the two of them. Yes. Um, it, In theory, it could just have been from the last few years while Faisal's here, but I like to imagine that these two have bumped into each other, like, numerous times over the decades or even centuries. Yeah. Um. It like it gave me like good omens vibes. Honestly. Yes, it did. Except evil, they're not good. They're bad good omens. Yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, bad omens. Um, like yeah, at the very least, it's just a fun little bit of world building to you know that the whole idea of Faisal coming in as a baddie was because these big powerful forces tend to end up you know either aligning or or fighting directly against each other, and so of course these two have bumped into each other in the past. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Um, speaking of fun bits, uh, after Faisal is on side, he brings in all of the Toronto practitioners, and we basically get this um, portals in Avengers Endgame kind of scene, right? <laughs> uh, it's, yes. it's all of the all of the characters that we know and love stepping through, and it's so it's such a f- happy moment when you're just like, oh shit, it's them! Oh, they're here too! Oh, cool, they're here! <laughs> like setting up the fact that these characters that we really grew to love over those you know four or five arcs are back and here to uh, take part in the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's so good. It it really does feel like that bit in Endgame, just everyone coming back in, it, it really sort of delivers. Um, yeah, I also love sort of how Rose continues her sort of, you know, mad lad conquest type speak when the sisters arrive and they're yep. like, oh, wow, this town's shit. And she's like, thank you. And then explains <laughs> like why that's a good thing. Um, it really adds to that sense of like all the, all the characters coming back and it just sort of being a big moment. Yep. Um, and I think like, again, the reason this works so well is, uh, something we'll get into in just a sec, but like something that's reestablished here is this idea that, you know, the people in Toronto or, and in these stable places tend to ignore the problems that are bubbling under the surface. Yeah. And that, that was so much of what we talked about back when the story was there. Yeah. And, uh, specifically and, um, around conquest, right. And the idea that they'd yeah. all just kind of let him be for a long time. Yeah, and and Ur and the hyena, yeah, like it was a bit, it was a real recurring beat there, and we used to talk about it a lot. And I kind of thought maybe we'd been misunderstanding it when those sorts of threads seemed to get dropped a lot when we came back to Jacob's Bell. But it's just it's been waiting for this moment. Like what what Walbo's done is he's brought Toronto back into the story, and he's thematically brought it in as well. And I think that's why this feels so good, or just so solid and so satisfying. Yeah, that um you know toronto's come back in every way into the story yes um and very much this is the thing that rose touches on towards the end of this chapter is you can't just ignore problems anymore i'm gonna actively force your hand yeah although to be fair the last time someone did that uh it was blake and that didn't go well for him so well yeah, risky true. Strap. um i also love this because like this was this was Blake's whole thing last chapter. He gave her the ability to consider allies. Yes. And Rose Rose's response to that is, okay, I'm gonna drag everyone under the bus with me. Uh and <laughs> Does she I don't think she understands the concept of allies quite yet. <laughs> yeah, but it's so good and it's exactly what Blake that's the thing. It actually yeah. is very Blake, because in a way it mirrors what he did to his friends, right? When he when he awoke them. Like this is this is how Blake does allies he does tend to use them a little bit he got he gave rose that ability from the looks of it because she's just as i said she's she's gathered everyone up and she's jumping on a cliff while holding on to them yeah yeah tied, tied them um... all to her and jumped straight into that pond. 
Yeah, it's a pretty wild move, which is, I mean, that's what this chapter is. It's the chapter of Rose pulling the wild stunts. Um, yeah, well, Blake gave her his instinct abilities to complement her planning abilities, and we're seeing how, like, utterly insane those two things are when finally combined. Yeah, imagine, fuck, imagine Ross or Rusty as a whole uh, practitioner in this story. Can you even imagine what the fuck they would be doing? <laughs> Some real what? bonkers shit. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, there are bits of Blake that were cut out, right? Like, they, they, yeah. we mentioned a few, was the last chapter, that half of his memories of his friends were just completely discarded. Like, I wonder if that's part of it, you know? Like, it, like Ross might have been less effective, but it's kind of the two parts that were kept are both individually yeah. more effective. Well, maybe the parts that were cut out included, you know, some fucking restraint and common sense. Yeah, ability to self-reflect and, <laughs> yeah. and stop. Stop falling for the same pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um. Um, <laughs> so, of course, the best part of this uh, chapter is Peter's response when he sees Paige with Isadora, which is <laughs> a payoff to something that we've kind of been wanting to see for ages, right? Peter notices yeah. not only is Paige here and a part of this, she's clearly deeper into this world and has known about it for longer than he did, which is so great, and he's so salty about it. Oh, he's incredibly salty about yeah. it. It's it's fantastic. Um, I hope there is time to explore this a bit more next arc. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Rose kind of briefly explains the situation here. Uh, she wants to let Jacob's Bell sink. Toronto basically needs to help clean it up, or this problem is going to become their problem. Yeah. Well, and she's basically made it their problem. Yes. Now. Um. It's the classic Wild Bird protagonist method of teamwork by force. <laughs> Um, it's, it's great. Yes. Uh, I want to read out the end of this chapter because I think it is my favorite conclusion to a chapter. It's really um, good. So they're talking about how Toronto is now a part of this. And Rose says they were always a part of it. They just turned a blind eye. It's not as simple as that. The astrologer said it wasn't. Now I've made it that simple. Rose said, <laughs> I'm such a bitch. She thought I privately agreed, but I wasn't sure I'd ever liked her more. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I, so I cackled out loud when I read that it's it's the perfect ending to a chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like one hundred percent. I had this. I had the same response. I actually laughed out loud because it's like it, it's so true. It's such a dick move, but yeah. <laughs> like it's also it's so necessary. I mean, yeah. Again, we we talked to death about this back when Blake was in Toronto. The way everyone avoids the problems is pretty shit. So. It, dragging everyone under the bus like this i think is is in a lot of ways a fair play um so yeah it's a it's a bitch move absolutely but um that's what the situation called for and and i'm totally with blake on on his assessment of yeah of her self-assessment yeah um yeah so that's uh more or less the end of this chapter uh before we round it out i want to put give some credit where credit's due and point out a connection noticed by uh, one of our listeners in the discord from a bird who basically made a comment that what Rose has just done is put as many chess pieces on the board as possible, which is a direct inversion of Blake's uh, strut like a pigeon and shit all over the board strategy that he talked about, <laughs> what, uh, an entire book ago? Um, yeah, it was our early arc three. Yeah, so um, that's just a fun little note that was spotted there. I, I actually, like, I I don't quite view them as opposites. I like it, because, like, like, you know, Rose Senior also talked about this idea of, you know, toppling the spinning top, and so... How mm. I view it is is Rose has put as many chess pieces as she can on the board, and then she's unleashed the shitty strutting pigeon. 
Yeah, true. Like, she 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 put everyone in a position where there's more things to topple, more collateral to happen. Yeah. And then she threw Blake into it and she's like, you know, do your worst. <laughs> yeah, just uh, shake and, it up and see what happens. Yeah, and um he did. Yeah. Spoilers for the last fifteen arcs, but he, he did. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and that's the end of uh, fifteen point seven and the end of the non interlude parts of this chapter. Um Yeah. So before we wrap up the episode, we wanted to dive into some comments from five years ago when people first read this chapter, see what people were talking about. Always love doing that. Yeah, me too. Uh, what have you brought? Um, I've brought a comment by a user called Monsommel. Um, actually, this is more of a chain of comments. Um, and it basically is discussing the question of, well, how bad is it that Barbatorum is possessing Johannes, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, the obvious, oh, wait, the, the answer is obviously bad, but yes. um, this, this thread uh, helps expand on all the reasons this is so. Yes. Um, I, I think the main one is access to the pipes, right? The pipes, mm. while we don't know specifically what they've done, they clearly have the ability to control certain types of things, right? Children, mice, uh, potentially dogs. Um, and so we can at least assume that Barbatorum will have more or less direct control over Faisal in addition to some other stuff. And this basically means that he's unstoppable, right? Like, the ability of Faisal to get him into any position that he wants to be in basically means that Barbatorum can get through any defences that might have stopped him previously um, and kind of just travel around wherever he wants. Yeah, it it, it definitely seems that once Miss Lewis goes away, uh, getting Faisal unattached to the barber is a high priority. Yes, uh, because that is quite bad. <laughs> Yeah, there are there are many ways a connection between those two could be used for very bad things. Yes, so I think it 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 really puts into perspective just why Faisal is suddenly on team uh, on team Thorburn here, because otherwise he's <laughs> basically going to be controlled into doing some really heinous shit, even for his standards. Well, it explains why he was so grumpy when he showed up. Um, not that that really needed explaining. I guess it's Faisal, but. Um, you know, like you can, you can see why he was just a bit, just ready for all this to be over. Yeah, because um, that's <laughs> that's a sore point for him right now, probably. If his mission was to deal with Barbatorum and deal with Johannes's domain, he's basically just combined those two things into one <laughs> yeah. much worse problem. His plan has very much backfired. If Rose <laughs> is right, he's now yeah. combined his two problems into one super problem that has control over him. Yep. So um, good work, Faisal. Yeah. Solid planning from uh, Mr. Sneaky Boy over here. Yeah. Um. I I brought two small comments. Uh, myself that I just thought both made some some quick good little points. Um. So I got one by Snoof who points out uh, when when all the people from Toronto show up, there's one who's just like a man that um Blake doesn't recognize. Mm. And Snoof pointed out that we never met this Queen's man, uh, who was mentioned way back in Arc Four, and like. I totally remember the Queen's men and being really interested in who they were. Um, I can't even remember why. I just remember thinking, God, I hope we see them <laughs> one day. Uh, so that's that's got me very excited. Yeah, um, fair enough. And then uh, another small comment from Yaglorba, who, you know, shares my very optimistic theory that maybe Miss Lewis isn't giving it 100% right here because she does like the Thorburns. Mm. Um, I, it's like, I'm I'm not putting my money on this being true but I'm putting my heart on it. <laughs> Is that better or worse? 
I don't know. It's probably stupider, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's that's how I'm doing it. I like this because you know the the fact is Mrs. Lewis has only summoned four to five five moats, right? And those are explicitly like the weakest kind of demon. So it does seem like she's holding back a bit, and so hopefully that's because she's trying to I don't know play nice with them. Yeah, I think Rose rationalized it last chapter as like if. If it was any big names, they'd probably already have connections to the Thorburns that um, yes. Rose could leverage. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It does it does kind of feel like Miss Lewis wasn't going a hundred percent. Whether that's because of like you know personal feelings she has, or whether it's just the way she was meant to operate. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I again, my money's not on her secretly being not that bad, but uh, that's that's what I want to happen. Yeah. Um. I guess we will have to see next time on Deep Impact. Yeah. Uh, because that's the end of our chapter. Um, so thanks for joining us. If you want to uh, leave your thoughts on this chapter, this arc, or this show in general, the place to do that is in our discussion thread, which we linked down in the show notes down below. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where you, well, it's the best place to answer the discussion question we have, Heck right? Yeah. Uh, which, uh, as a reminder right now, is pick a demon or an evil spirit from any folklore and explain you know, how it might operate impact and, and what choir it might belong to. Yes, we've already gotten some great answers to this question, so yeah. I'm excited to see more. Um, we put out a comment from a listener that was in our Discord today. If you want to check out some of the other great comments in our Discord, the way to get access to that is by supporting us on Patreon for just $1 a month or more. Um, you're not just supporting us, you're supporting all of the great shows on the Doof Media Network, and you get access to a whole cornucopia of uh, discussion. Yeah, like I know we say it a lot, and I'm pretty sure Matt and Scott say it a lot too. But the Discord's honestly like a great place. Yes. It is, it is the best perk uh, for supporting Doof. So it's it's definitely worth a dollar in my yeah. opinion. And not just that, it's got its own fresh stash of weird memes, gifs, and emojis. So <laughs> if you want to take part in that, uh, it's just one dollar a month or more. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and doofmedia.com is the place to go to. Learn about the other shows on the Doof Media Network. Uh, tomorrow is the second yep. right episode of yes. Kingslingers. Um, I'm I'm still halfway through the first, but I'm very much enjoying. Yes, it's been great to have an excuse to finally read more Stephen King stuff because I've only ever read one Stephen King book, and this show is the perfect reason to get into it more. Um, is that wait? Is is the one you've read the Salem's Lot? Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, the one we okay, talked about on Media MD. Yeah, I was about to say that's my only one too, and you gave it to me. So. <laughs> yes, uh, or a couple um, of or a couple of Stephen King yeah, fans over it, here. That's it's for weird sure. because I absolutely love that book, but I've just never gotten into any other. Like I've never even tried to read any other Stephen King. So this is a very good podcast, and there's time. There's still time for you to get invested. All you have to do is listen to or read a book. It's not very hard. Um, I'm sure you can do it. And, uh, yeah, it's a good show. So uh, keep your eyes out on that on doofmedia.com. Yes. Uh, and, and finally, we talked about our Patreon before. Uh, Walbo also has a Patreon. It's where you give him money for words. And, you know, we're 140 or whatever chapters into this story. We all like the yes. Walbo words. So help, help him make more. Uh, patreon.com forward slash walbo yes it's quite an arcane ritual whereby offering your <laughs> gold you can receive words regularly shipped to you um so in order to find out the uh the ancient incantation to make this happen head on to patreon.com forward slash walbo but apart from that that's our show so we'll be back to talk about the interlude for arc 15 that's 15.x on uh friday the 22nd so we'll see you then see ya